we consider our 2023 theme, Hands to the Plow. We've, we've kind of been kind of hopping around the book of Acts these past few weeks, and we'll continue to do that for the next few weeks as we finish up the year. Because in the book of Acts, what we find is we find men, and we find women who kept their hands to the plow in that first century church. And we come to Acts chapter number 15, we come to a passage which confronts us with a subject matter or the subject matter of which we can never take our hands off the plow regarding. And that is the subject matter of salvation and the message of salvation. Let me say this this morning. The message of salvation and the way of salvation will never change. It has been set and it is forever set It will never, ever change. And we must never take our hands off of the plow when it comes to the purity of the message and when it comes to proclaiming the message. We can't ever, ever, ever take our hands off the plow when it comes to that. Salvation is what it is. It's what the Bible says it is. And we can't change it. We don't have the right to change it. We don't have the authority to change it. God has said it. And so I want us to look here. We're just going to look at the first 11 verses this morning. The entirety of the chapter speaks to what's going on in Acts chapter number 15. Really, many times we call this, uh, many call this the Jerusalem Council. Paul and Barnabas, they leave Antioch, and we're, we're going to read that in just a moment, but they go up to Jerusalem to contend and confront this issue of salvation. Is it by faith? Is it by grace? Is it in the finished work of Christ? Or is it by something else? And so that's what we want to look at this morning in Acts chapter number 15. If you found your place, and if you are physically able, I will ask you to stand this morning. Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter number 15, and we will let the kids go in just a moment. Hang on in just a moment. I'm going to read, and then I'm going to let you go. Okay? They're waiting for the pastor's last word. All right, Acts chapter number 15, verse 1. The Bible says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses... Ye cannot be saved. Now, let me say this right from the get-go, because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time trying to define and discuss circumcision. I'm going to assume that most of us know what that is. But when he talks about circumcision after the manner of Moses, circumcision was an outward action. It was a fleshly action. It was a token for the Jews, for the nation of Israel. It was something they did as a token of being a Jew. It was an outward fleshly action. It was a cutting away of the outward flesh. And so there were those who had come from Jerusalem and they had come to the church at Antioch and they had told the individuals there, people who had already been saved, people who had already put their faith and trust in Christ, and they said, listen, especially you Gentiles, except ye be circumcised in the manner of circumcision that Moses taught, You can't be saved. Wow, can you imagine the kind of punch in the gut to these new Christians? Wait a minute. Paul told us it was by faith and the finished work of Christ. It was by grace. Verse number 2. Now let me ask you before we read verse 2. And here's what we're going to do. We'll go ahead and let the kids go. 
Before we get to, to verse number two, how do you think Paul felt about that? What do you think Paul's reaction was going to be? Huh? <laughs> verse two. When therefore Paul, because Barnabas and Paul, they're there at Antioch. They've gone on their first missionary journey. They've come back. And in verse 23 through 28 of chapter 14, they are reporting back to the church at Antioch on their first missionary journey. And now they're back here at the church at Antioch. And the Bible says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small, had no small, what does that mean? It means it was big. Had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Now drop down to verse number 7. We're, we're going to look at all, verse, all 11 verses this morning, but look at verse number 7. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. God, which knoweth the hearts... Bear... Now, by the way, here, here's the man, Peter, who was part of the problem. He had caused some of the problem. And we'll see that in the book of Galatians. Many believe that Galatians was written in response to Acts 15, verse 1. And Peter was part of the problem. Because when he came to Antioch... He wouldn't fellowship with the Gentile believers because he was a Jew. He wouldn't fellowship with them. And the Bible says Paul confronted him to the face about it. But now Peter, Peter's doing right now. And Peter stands up and he said, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and what? Believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them... The Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. He gave the Gentiles the Holy Ghost just like He gave it to us, Jews who believe. And put, notice this, and put no difference between us and them. When it comes to salvation, there's no difference between us and them. No difference. Now I understand this morning, um, there's differences between me and Alex. He's young, I'm not. He's cool and good looking. And I have never been either one of those. Okay. But when it comes to salvation, there's no difference between us and them. It doesn't matter if it's Jew, Gentile. It doesn't matter. The Bible says, look, there is no difference between us and them. Why? Purifying their hearts by what? Faith. We're all purified by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God? To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. He said, listen, those 613 commandments and all of the other ones, all the other traditions that the rabbis put in, uh, even on top of that, he said, we, couldn't, we weren't able to bear it. Why are we going to put that upon these Gentile believers? And then notice verse 11. He said, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be, what's the word? That's a good Bible word. Don't be afraid of it. We shall be saved. And here's the title of our message, the last three words. Even as they. 
even as they. Father, help and teach us today. Father, I do pray if there's one here without Christ, I pray that today they'll be saved. Father, if there's one here who's doubting their salvation, may they get the assurance of that today. For those who have confidence and assurance in their salvation, may we praise you for it today. Help us today. Whatever needs are, are, are present in this auditorium today, Father, I pray that you'd meet every one of them. May your Holy Spirit have freedom to move in our midst. Father, I pray for our children. Help Miss Beverly this morning. And Father, may your word be powerful in their lives today. And Father, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want you real quickly, just by way of introduction, we'll come back to Acts 15. And we'll spend our time here this morning. But take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter number 1. Galatians chapter number 1. And I'd like to see this morning what God's heart is regarding the matter of salvation, regarding the matter of the message of salvation, regarding the matter of the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when a person places their complete faith and trust. And by the way, let me say this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 10 that salvation begins in the heart. It's not about, hey, don't, don't miss this this morning. It's not about just getting someone to pray a prayer. Don't ever do that. Don't get, whether it's a child or an adult or whoever, don't just get somebody to pray a prayer. We need to make sure that salvation, that the conviction, that the belief has already begun in the heart, that the Holy Spirit is working even with a child. The Holy Spirit needs to be working and convicting in the heart of that child. And then the Bible says confession is made unto salvation. Uh, we, we need to be careful not to give someone false hope in that, hey, oh, you prayed a prayer, you're saved. Now they may be, I'm not questioning that they're not, but did the beliefs begin in the heart? Was it faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ or were they just adding this prayer to, to what they already have? By the way, when missionaries go to foreign fields, they have to. They have to spend time upon top of time upon top of time getting folks to understand it's Christ and Christ alone. Not just adding Christ to all the other little deities that you have, all the other little gods that you have. No, 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 no. You have to get rid of all of those and it's only the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only salvation through Him. Notice what the Bible says in Galatians chapter number 1. We'll read verses 8 and 9. Matter of fact, let's just read verse number 6. Verses 6 through 9. The Apostle Paul says, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from them that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. By the way, that's what these individuals in Acts 15.1 who came to Antioch. By the way, Antioch is one of the churches in Galatia. They were subverting the truth of the gospel. And, and he said, there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, Paul said, look, whether I do it, whether Barnabas, whether one of our co-laborers, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. If mama said it once, I should have listened, but if she said it twice... I knew I better, I was in trouble. God mentions it twice. 
If any man, whether it's me, Paul said, whether it's Barnabas, whether it's any of the other apostles, if any man, if an angel from heaven preaches anything to you other than the gospel that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's, that's significant. That's a big deal. Let him be accursed. Let him endure, receive the damnation which comes to those who reject Jesus Christ. God has a pretty powerful heart toward the matter of His gospel, doesn't He? Take your Bibles and go back to Acts chapter number 15. So this morning, once again, I want us to simply just be reminded that we need to keep our hands to the plow regarding the salvation message, regarding the purity of the salvation message. Because the salvation, the, excuse me, the salvation message is the same for us and for them. It never changes. And we are all saved even as they. Peter said, look, as a Jew, we're saved just like the Gentile is saved. God gave the witness of the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles just like He has done for us. We're all saved the same. Number one this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to walk through Acts chapter 15, these first 11 verses. Number one, I want us to see this, that the devil will always deceive. The devil will always seek to deceive. That's exactly what's happening in Acts chapter number 15 and verse number one. The devil will always deceive. By the way, turn your Bibles back, just probably just a couple of pages, to Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11. And notice verse number 26. The devil will always deceive. Acts 11 and verse 26. The Bible says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. This is the hymn there in verse 26 is Paul. Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas brings Paul to Antioch. It says they spent a whole year there teaching the people. And notice, and you know this, you've heard this before, but notice the last sentence in verse number 26 and the disciples were called what Christians first in where you think the devil was happy about that you think the devil's going to sit back and say okay the, the the church where that name originated the church in Antioch you think I'm going to sit back and just let them have peace and just let them minister and prosper without ever bringing any persecution or ever bringing any deceit or ever bringing in any attacks against them, not on your life. And by the way, let me say this this morning. I'm thankful. I'm thankful, 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 thankful beyond measure of God's goodness to Maranatha Baptist Church. I mentioned Wednesday night a little something that happened to us while we were, while we were away And it just made me very thankful once again. But let me say this. We better not think for a moment that the devil wouldn't want to do to us what he does to other churches. And we better be on guard that we're careful that we don't give the devil a a little inch, a little ounce, a a little area in which to stick his big toe in and to start to bring discord and and to, to stir up strife. We ought to be careful about that because the devil will always do what? Deceive. He will always deceive. And that's what he's doing in Acts chapter number 15. How does he do it? First of all, he does it with false doctrine. 
He does it with false doctrine. We read, and you don't have to turn back there, but we read in Galatians chapter number 1, we read verses 6 and 7. He says, I marvel, Paul says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you, uh, excuse me, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. The devil will always deceive with false doctrine. By the way, let me say this right here. These are the true legalizers. You hear people throw the word legalism around today. Legalism is adding anything to salvation other than the finished work of Christ. That is pure legalism. Is adding works to salvation. Is adding circumcision to salvation. That's legalism. Let me say this. It's not legalism to preach holiness. People call that legalism today. That's not legalism. There's not a single person, I don't believe... There's not a I, there's not a single person excuse me person who teaches a Sunday school class who teaches a master club class who preaches from this pulpit who believes that you get saved by works. Not a single one. Legalism is when we add works to salvation. These are the true legalizers. They're preaching and they're teaching false doctrine. The devil will always deceive with false doctrine, but number two with fearful doubt. We read again in Galatians 1, 6, and 7. We mentioned it at the beginning. Can you imagine these young believers? Hey, we got saved. We trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. We placed our faith and trust in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're telling me I have to be circumcised? Am I really saved? Am I, go am I going to heaven? Am I do, do I have Christ? Do I have the Holy Spirit? The devil will always deceive with false doctrine, with fearful doubt. And then let me give you a third one with fleshly discord. With fleshly discord. By, my, by the way, let me say this. We must not mistake fleshly discord with spiritual confrontation. These from Jerusalem were causing discord. Paul and Barnabas weren't. They were confronting the false doctrine. But the devil will send people like he sent from Jerusalem to come and preach a false message to stir up discord. And so the devil will always deceive with false doctrine, with fearful doubt, with fleshly discord. Now let me read again. I, if you want to turn there, you can. But I'm going to read in Galatians chapter number 2 when we think about this fleshly discord. I mentioned Peter just a moment ago. Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Galatians 2 and verse number 11. It says, but when Peter was come to Antioch. And again, I believe this is the same time frame. I believe it's Acts 15.1. You may disagree with me on that, but I believe it's the same time frame. He says, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. Okay, before those from the church in Jerusalem came and they told the people that they, they had to be circumcised to be saved. Before they came, Peter was already there and he was fellowshipping with the Gentiles. But when the Jews from Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem came, Peter wouldn't do it. It says, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Notice, listen to this. If you're not there, if you're listening, listen. Insomuch that Barnabas, Barnabas, the son of consolation, the peacemaker, 
The Bible said that even Barnabas fell into the trap. Even Barnabas wasn't having fellowship with the Gentile believers. It says, Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? The devil will always deceive with false doctrine, with fearful doubt, with fleshly discord. And by the way, let me say this. The fight that we see in Acts chapter number 15, the fight was necessary. But it caused distraction. You see, Paul and Barnabas are just doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're ministering, they're ministering, they're ministering. They have just come back from their first missionary journey. They're fulfilling the Great Commission. Now these false teachers have come and they've started spreading these lies and errors. And now Paul and Barnabas have to take time away from ministry to go deal with the issue. Now, that was necessary. Don't misunderstand. The fight and the confrontation was necessary, was it not? Absolutely. What do we have if we don't have a pure salvation message? Because that's where it all begins. It begins with salvation. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside. And then we get to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with salvation. And so if I don't have a pure salvation message, what do I have? I don't have anything. And so the fight was necessary to stand up and say, you're wrong. That's heresy. No, they don't have to be circumcised to be saved. It is by grace, through faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the devil will always deceive. Number two, the believer must always battle. Number one, the devil will always deceive. But number two, the Believer must always battle. Look at verse number 2 in Acts 15. We already read it, but he said, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. The believer must always battle. They battled, first of all, with tenacity. They battled with tenacity. Dissension and disputation. Dissension and disputation, the Bible says in verse number 2. And by the way, he says, had no small dissension. Dissension is the idea of of pulling apart. It's the idea of, of, look, we're on total opposite ends of this issue. The Bible says there was no small dissension and no small disputation with these who had come from Judea and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Look, there are people who will say, unless you're baptized, unless you endure, unless you're a member of a certain church, you're not going to be saved and you're not going to be heaven. That's not found in the Scriptures. And that has to be confronted. And that has to be dealt with. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We live in a day... And my son and I were talking about this the other day. We live in a day where we have been taught that we have to be nice to everybody. No, no, no. I should be kind to everybody. And I can disagree with somebody and be kind, but I don't have to be nice to everybody. Oh, we have to show the love of Christ. The love of Christ was the Lord Jesus Christ walking into the temple and and, and spilling over. The, the money changers' tables. That wasn't very nice, but it was right. 
Absolutely, it was righteous anger. You see, we, we, we can't let the world dictate what the Bible says. The Bible just doesn't say I have to be nice to someone who's doing wrong and I can't ever confront them. You're being mean. You're, you're not being nice. My brother had a young man a few weeks ago. He was preaching on the home and he called my brother after the service. He said, hey, I want to talk to you for just a minute. It's a young man. And they walked into the office and he said, you know, he said, I, I don't like you preaching on the home. He said, I, you, you just talk about how great your kids are all the time. And he said, well, first of all, I don't talk about how great my kids are all the time. He said, but secondly, and most importantly, he said, I don't care what you think about what I preach. And he just stopped the conversation right there. He said, I don't care what you think about what I preach. He said, the Holy Spirit leads me to preach this. We're going to preach it. I, I, I don't care what you think about that. Now, by the way, the young man's still there. Because the young man had a good spirit about it. By the way, the young man about a month ago was called to preach. You know what was happening right then? The devil was trying to get between this young man and his pastor. Because God Almighty was wanting to do something in his life. But my brother said, Look, I, I don't care. This is what the Holy Spirit has led me to preach and we're going to preach it. Because young man, you're not married yet and you don't see it, but we need to preach about the family. We can be kind to people, but we need to preach the truth. And if we have to confront at times, we should do it. We don't go, look, look I don't go looking for that. I, I've told you before, I, I don't necessarily like it. I don't necessarily like confrontation, but it's necessary if we're dealing with the truth. And Paul and Barnabas were tenacious in their battle for the truth. We, the believer must always battle. They battled with tenacity. They battled against the teachers, the false teachers. Verse, verse number 3. Last part of verse number 2, it was decided that Paul and Barnabas would go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. On their way, they're, they're headed from Antioch to Jerusalem to have this council to meet with the other apostles about this issue. And on their way, they're, they're seeing some of these Gentiles that had been converted before, and there's great joy. They get, don't you think God Almighty is just, boy, He's just bolstering Paul and Barnabas. They get to see all of these converts that, that probably they were able to see saved to begin with. And on their way back, they're getting to see them once again. And the Bible says in verse number 3, And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. Look, those people in Jerusalem were in trouble. Because God Almighty was, was, was strengthening and stirring Paul and Barnabas even on the way there. And they were, He was strengthening them, what's the word in verse 3? With great joy. Because of the conversions, because of the people who had been saved. Verse number 4, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Now that, boy, that, that's just a few words, but think about that. They declared all things that God had done with them. Don't you think that was a pretty lengthy, lengthy declaration? Everything that had happened on the first missionary journey? Verse number 5, But here's the Pharisees. They're sitting back. I wish they would quit talking. I wish they would be done because we've got something to say. 
The Bible says in verse 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Excuse me, Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. They battled with tenacity. They battled against the teachers, the false teachers. And thirdly, they battled for the truth. They battled for the truth. Hey, I do want you to take your Bibles back to Galatians once again. Be the last time I have you turn. But if you can, would you go to Galatians 2? Galatians chapter number 1, the devil will always deceive. Number 2, the believer must always battle. By the way, we know this because you go knock on doors or you talk to someone at work, a co-worker, and you talk to them about salvation. And there's so much confusion about the matter of salvation, isn't there? I mean, there's just so much confusion. Well, it's works. And, and by the way, people talk about Christ. Especially right now, December. People will talk about Jesus Christ. He was born. He died on the cross. They'll talk about it. But have they placed their faith in Him and Him alone? Or is it, well, yeah, He died for me, but you know, it's, it's baptism and it's church membership and uh, it's the, the Hail Marys that I say and it's all these other things that I have to add to it. That's exactly what they're dealing with in Acts chapter number 15. Hey, if 613 commandments were too much for us, then it's too much for the Gentiles. If we're saved and if we have the Holy Spirit through faith, then it's the same for the Gentiles. Galatians chapter number 2. Let's begin in verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we, speaking of the Jews... Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He said it's by faith. Hey Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who is pulling you away from the truth of the gospel? That which was begun in you, the work that the Spirit begun in you, was it begun by the law of the flesh or by faith? The believer must always battle because the devil will always deceive. They battled with tenacity. They battled against the teachers. Oh, but pastor, boy, we, we, just don't need to be un, we just don't need to be mean to people. Okay, so we're going to sit back and let error rule the day? 
Battling for truth is not being mean. When we battle for truth, we save the next generation. We save the next generation from error. And there have to be men, there have to be women who battle for the truth, for the truth of salvation, but just for the truth of the word. And these men battle. And as believers, we must be ready to battle always. Isn't that what Ephesians 6, the last part of Ephesians 6, is about? Why do we need the armor if we don't have to battle? No, we need the armor because we're in a battle, a spiritual battle. Number one, the devil will always deceive. Number two, the believer must always battle. Number three, salvation is always the same. Salvation is always the same. Look at Acts 15 again. Verse number seven. Salvation is always the same. When there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Remember, St. Peter, that in Galatians 2, Paul is confronting to the face because he won't fellowship with the Gentile believers. He did until the Jews from Jerusalem came. And then he wouldn't fellowship with the Gentile believers. Paul confronted him to the face. He said, he said Peter, if you don't live like Jews, Orthodox Jews, if we want to use that phrase, if you don't live like them, then why do you expect the Gentiles to live that way? If you don't lay all of these rituals upon yourself, then why do you lay it upon the Gentiles? He says, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know that, excuse me, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Number one, salvation is always the same because of the word of the gospel is always the same. Because the word of the gospel is always the same. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15 says. And he says in verse number 7, By my mouth should hear the word of the gospel. And once they heard the word of the gospel, what would they do? Believe. Believe. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, I did not come to baptize. He said, I came to preach the gospel. Baptism is not part of the gospel. By the way, that, that's a good... 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I, I don't know... I, let me give you the verse. Verse 17. If you're taking notes and you want a good verse, 1 Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He said, not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15 says. Salvation is always the same because the word of the gospel is always the same. Number two, because the witness of the ghost is always the same. The Holy Ghost. Because the witness of the Holy Ghost is always the same. Verses 8 and 9. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. Listen, if He gave the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles just because they believed and put their faith in Him... That's the witness. Salvation is the same for the Jew and the Gentile. We receive the Holy Spirit the same way. It's through faith. When a person puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit sets up residence. He is the seal for that believer. That, the Holy Spirit is God's seal upon that believer that they are saved. Ephesians 1 tells us that. 
And he says, look, salvation is always the same for everyone. doesn't matter, Jew, Gentile, it's the same for everyone. Because the word of the gospel is always the same. Because the witness of the Holy Ghost is always the same. Number three, because the work of grace is always the same. Look what he says in verse number 11. Because the work or the way of grace, whichever word you want to use, is always the same. In verse 10, he says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God? We're tempting God when we're doing when we tell people. He said, You that told those Christians in Antioch that except they be circumcised after the manner of Moses, that they can't be saved. You're tempting God because you're preaching false doctrine. He says, Why? Tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the what? Grace. God giving us that which we do not deserve. That's grace. Mercy is God giving us that or or not giving us that which we do deserve. That's mercy. But grace is God giving us something that we don't deserve. And he says, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be, hey, Jews, Gentiles. He says, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Even as God gave the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles. Even as God gave the Holy Ghost to the Jews, whether it was the Jew or the Gentile, even as they, us and them, it's the same. The devil will always deceive. There may be individuals in here right now, he's been deceiving. Well, you haven't been baptized or you haven't been good enough. Dear friend, we, can we say it one more time? None of us will ever be good enough. That's the point. None of us. Can ever be good, good enough. Should we do good things? Absolutely. But we'll never be good enough. Because the Bible says, for, for all have come short of the glory of God. We missed the mark. The mark is perfection. And we've missed it. The devil will always deceive. Don't let him deceive you anymore, friend. Salvation is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when an individual completely and wholly 100% places his faith, her faith, and trust in that and that alone. But the devil will deceive, won't he? He deceives millions, billions. And he's deceived billions down through eternity. The devil will always deceive. The believer must always battle because salvation is always the same. Never changes. And young people, teenagers, when you get to be 30, 40, 50, salvation message will still be the same. Or at least it should be. It'll still be the same in the Bible. And we need to keep our hands to the plow. And it's the same message. It's pure. No admixture. In Acts 15:1, these individuals from Jerusalem, they were trying to pollute the pure message of the gospel. Hey! You haven't, been, you haven't been circumcised. Because think about this. Many of the Jews that had truly gotten saved after Christ died on the cross, many of the Jews in the church at Jerusalem, maybe even some in the churches in Antioch and Galatia, and really all of the churches in that first century, 
they had probably been circumcised as a child. So they already had it. But then they got saved. And now there comes along these false teachers who are saying, you know what? Why should the Gentiles not have to get circumcised? We did. Why shouldn't they have to do it? Because that's not a part of salvation. It was a ritual. It was a token for the Jew. And so when someone comes along to you and says, well, you, you sure don't live like a Christian, or, or you, you said a bad word, the wonderful thing is I can go to my Heavenly Father and get that forgiven. But He's still my Heavenly Father. When I was a kid, I did things that my mom and dad weren't pleased with, but I was still their son. Still am to this day. Salvation is by grace, the grace of God. But God commendeth His love toward us in, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The devil will deceive regarding that. That's why believers must always battle. Because salvation is always the same. Never changes. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help. There might be one here this morning who is not saved. They've never had their sins washed beneath the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. May today be that day. Father, there may be one in here this morning who's struggling with the assurance of that salvation. They may actually be saved. But maybe because of some sin in their life, the devil has lied to them and said, Hey, you, you must surely not be saved. Father, I pray that today they'd get that settled. Understand that you are not a liar. And if a person is truly placed their faith in you and called upon your finished work, believed in the gospel, then they are saved. Father, for us as believers today, would you help us to be grateful? Would you help us to be joyful? And Father, would you help us to be committed, to be tenacious with the message of salvation because it never changes. Father, help us in the moments to come Lord, if there are folks who need to do business with you, may we do it this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Before